All right. So one of the things I really love about doing this show is spending time with like-minded professionals and getting to know them better. You know, if you may have noticed on my show, Your Mortgage Process, I've spent a lot of time connecting with real estate professionals as the mortgage industry and the real estate industry, they really overlap a lot. And specifically, when you're looking at the traits of successful salespeople and successful sales leaders and coaches, the characteristics are almost identical in the industries. And that kind of brings me to a point about three paths of salespeople. And you're really a producer, you are a leader or a coach or your combination of both. And my experience, as we start to introduce our guest, is over the 24 years of doing this, uh, leaders are generally, were never generally top producers. And top producers were generally, they don't turn out to be really good leaders or coaches. And you know, the question then baits itself, why? And I think a great example for that is just take a look at a guy like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, greatest basketball player of all time, probably wouldn't be a great coach. He never really excelled in any type of coaching because for him, how do you coach someone that doesn't have the skill set that you have, right? People ask you, well, how do you do what you do, Michael? And Michael says, well, you just do it because he's got his, his God-given gifts and he's got his mentality and handling everything. But how do you coach the 10th person on the roster? And that's a real talent. And not a lot of people can do it. And that really brings me to uh, my guest today, John Natale. Hi, John. Hello. Good morning. Hey, thanks for taking, coming today. Always a pleasure. Hey, great I, to see you. Thank you. I couldn't help but notice those shoes match that jacket perfectly. Thank you. <laughs> but John, in our industry, you know, John's been a mega producer. And let's define that. I mean, from a personal production standpoint, John, how much business do you do per year? On average, well, uh, last year obviously was uh, a record year, a uh, record year for me. Uh, you know, I did about uh, personally about seventy million, and also uh, the team did approximately uh, uh, close to one hundred seventy-five million you know, of, of real <laughs> so, estate. Yeah, wow, that's that's amazing. So, how much is that total? That was well, about three million dollars. That was about three million dollars yeah. of a commission. Yeah. Oh man, that's fantastic, John. Yeah. And I know, having known you for a ten-year time frame. You know, I know that you have always been an exceptional producer in this industry. And then you had made a really a mental shift. You were talking earlier about, I remember a time in my office, we got together for a meeting about 10 years ago, and we were looking at different data, and you had a very methodical plan as to how you were going to shift gears and move into more of a mentorship role with people. And if you'd be kind enough, John, I kind of want to pick it up a little bit from the beginning. Would you talk a little bit about your real estate career and you know how, how'd you get into it uh, well that's a good question i've always been a, a kind of like a strategy person you know tell me the strategy of what uh is needs to be accomplished sure and then it does take a special talent to be not everybody can do it mm -hmm. right not everyone can do what you do and not everyone can play guitar no one not everyone could be the bass player for the doobie brothers or or something like that you need a special talent and a special sure. gift and i i rec recognized as time went on and as I got older, that I did have a special gift of reaching people and everything else like that. Um, I had to recreate myself. I, you know, I was trading for my own account for a long time in, mm -hmm. in stocks, and when everything went to decimals, uh, it got a lot of harder to do. And uh, I had a friend of mine locally in, in Homedale, because I coached uh, for 20 years in Homedale Youth Sports, and it was Larry Vecchio, and he... he uh, uh, told me, oh, you got to get involved in real estate, got to get involved in real estate. And, and uh, finally, I took the plunge. 
yeah. uh, back in 2004. So I've been doing this about 18 years. And, and uh, you know, Larry was also great about showing the strategy and stuff like that. And, and uh, once I got my license, uh, you know, he told me about this strategy, what's called the flat fee MLS, you know, okay. where you can uh, charge uh, a, a flat fee up front. And uh, because when you, I literally walk, started my real estate career with not a piece of lint in my pocket. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, how, how am I going to do this? I knew the strategy because strategy is listings one-on-one. If you're a good listing agent, the best buyers, you know, call, call the listing agent. And, uh, uh, so that's, did you know that from day one? Yeah. I got to get listings. Yeah. I knew that from day one. Well, well, again, that was, that's the strategy. That's real estate one-on-one. Yeah. So the thing about it is being a people person. So, and then, uh, the, the market already had started peaking out in 2005 and six. Mm -hmm. And so people didn't want to spend, you know, at the time, you know, forty fifty thousand dollars $50,000 in commission. Sure. Um, and I needed to, to make, you know, some, some, uh, weekly money coming in. Mm -hmm. And so the best, the fastest way was, was to charge an owner $500 up front. Uh, I gave up the listing commission. The, the listings went in my name and at that particular point in time, uh, you know, all the calls that had gone to the owner to schedule the appointments, that's changed now, obviously, with yeah. over time. Well, within six months, I had 130 listings in my name. <laughs> I was literally, um, you know, upsetting most of the people on Route 9 and, and in Homedale and Middletown, all the fellow realtors, because, you know, they were still charging 5%. Sure. And here I was, you know, but at least I had... Uh, you know, five or six listings coming in, two or $3,000 a week coming in, you know, to help pay for the mortgage and pay for sure. groceries and stuff like that. The listings went in my name. Uh, buyers called me, started selling like crazy. And then Adele Demuro came uh, knocking on my door six, within six months and said, mm -hmm. listen, we got to get you inside the tent rather than outside the tent, you know? Sure. And although I was a businessman, you know, I go like, well, I know the real estate business, but <laughs> meanwhile, I knew, I really knew nothing, you know? Right. Uh, and it's been a great experience to be at Keller Williams. So when you, when you look at that, so you get into the, into the business, virtually overnight, you have 130 listings. And I remember your strategy. I, I remember being in the industry, obviously at that time. And when did you make the shift to come out of that strategy? Well, as soon as I got to Keller Williams, because okay. <laughs> <laughs> Adele, uh, Adele had hired me and, uh, you know, I had still started, was continuing on this, but at the time then she said, you know, I think it's time for you to raise your commissions and, and, uh, get into, you know, more traditional, you know, more traditional thing. Cause you've established your track record and everything else like that. Now sure. you just have to, and I go like, wow, I can raise my prices. And then, you know, and then it, it happened. You know? Right. That's fantastic, yeah. John. Now, did you plan when you're putting everything together and you're, you meet Larry and you're on the coaching field and you're doing all these listings, did you ever plan on getting where you're at today? Well, again, a great question. Uh, I, I think that uh, being so successful, I also know that one person can only be in one place at a time. Right. And even though you have the leverage of listings where if you have five listings, you can look down at your phone and go like, well, oh my gosh, I just sold, you know, five different listings by sitting, sitting here with Greg Wareham, right. uh, as opposed to being out with a buyer, you can only be out with one person at a time. Um, one, one realtor always hits, if you're very, very successful, you hit a ceiling. Mm -hmm. And that ceiling for me uh, was the same in 2008, 2009, mm -hmm. 2010. And then finally, my son, uh, my youngest son got his license. I started leveraging through him. Mm -hmm. um, but, and then he, he's, we spun him off. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, that's when you, you're starting to uh, need for 
to leverage yourself. Sure. I won't say a team, but that's when you need, and that's where uh, the book, you know, yeah. uh, you, fought the, you know, all of us who are in real estate, sure. this is the blueprint for a successful business. Uh, now, as we talked before, when we started, not everyone can do it. Right. And so the, th the, the thing about it is that you have to be purposeful. And uh, I, we have this phrase on my team, it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. Okay. Right? <laughs> I mean, we all want to be there fast, but at the same time, um, you spoke about Michael Jordan. Uh, Phil Jackson was, would have been a nobody. Right. If he didn't coach Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, uh, he would have been, he would have yeah. been top Tom Thibodeau, right? I mean, right. you know, a, a great NBA coach, but never the champion without the horses. And I was the same way. Uh, I would say the team started in 2011, but it really didn't gel until 2014 when mm -hmm. I started meeting some young, uh, young adults uh, who, who were, uh, you know, like AJ Oliva, yeah. uh, Dan Urpinel. Sure. Uh, I mean, I have like 12 graduates, 12 people on my team that are super producers and, and, and they've trusted me with their real estate career for guidance and mentoring and stuff like that. So how did you, and I know AJ and, and obviously I know Dan, how did you identify them? Well, they, uh, it starts either with a, uh, an ad for a real estate assistant and then you, you know, you can meet, you meet talented people mm -hmm. and then they just started bringing in their friends and they right. just started bringing in like right now I have like, uh, well, I have about 55 people on the team, 22 mm -hmm. of them are teachers. Okay. And it all started way back then in 2014, 15, where one teacher came on and then she brought her friend and then they brought two more of their friends who had a real estate license. And, um, they're dynamite, you know, they're dynamite because they are, uh, they have all the skills. They're people person, they're prepared. They are, um, sales machines because they know that they have, you know, two hours after school to get everything done. Right. All their paperwork is perfect. And, and, uh, you know, a few of them are making, you know, six yeah. figures while they're still te teaching. That's a hot tip coming in. Teachers make great people on the team. Yeah. yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. So, all right. So we got this team of 55 people. Actually, I got a better question for you. So you look at someone, some of the people that have been on your team that have now left to build successful teams of their own. How does that make you feel? Well, a lot of pride, yeah. uh, you know, at, at the time. Uh, Sometimes they didn't leave exactly on, on, uh, at the same time, you know, it was time for them to leave, uh -huh. uh, or I would say graduate, uh, but they've all returned, meaning right. that they're all calling me whenever they get into a little bit of a pickle or a situation, or they need, you know, some, some, you know, mentoring or just to bounce an idea off or something like that. You know, that's been very, very re rewarding, you know, yeah, it's like, your it's like you, it's like your children, you know, you see them, you know, growing up because mo some of them started when they were 22 or 23 and now that's 10 years later and, and they're, you know, they're off doing, uh, you know, buying their really own houses career, and yeah. you know, doing their own careers and everything else like that. So it takes a lot of pride. Yeah. How do you, that's great, John. How do you keep it fresh? And I'm just going to use myself as an example, right? I manage big teams and small teams. And sometimes I get the feeling like it's just wow, 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 Greg doing Greg's thing again. And I'd have to reinvent and, and change the way that I'm doing it to make it fresh. How do you keep it fresh? Uh, the best example I can give you is that even for myself, I'm always learning based. Even at my age and in my time of my career, I'm still always trying to learn, trying to uh Figure, listen to what's the latest sales technique, sure. latest sales trend. At the end of the day, it's all the same. Someone has to fall in love with a property in order to buy it, right? right. I mean, I've never had anybody in my career 
uh, any real estate sale, buy, buy or sale, is that, yeah, you know what, let's do the owner a favor, let's offer him a million too. It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't, you have to fall in love with the property, be excited about it, and that's right. your, you know, your part of your fate and where you're going to, your children are going to grow or, or you're going to retire. You know, that's the rewarding part of, uh, oh, I always wanted to, so I always try to stay on top of whatever the latest thing is. So, um, you know, I consider myself, uh, I, I don't know, three years ago, I got hooked up into the Ryan Serhan group. You know, right. being in his coaching, I was one of the very, very first people that got into his coaching program. And now like, I'm on as kind of like his board of directors. So, so he's great. No, he, he actually refers me all of his New Jersey listings, uh, New Jersey uh, referrals okay. and stuff like that. So we become kind of like friends and, uh, uh, you know, colleagues. And, and, and so I get a lot of inspiration from him. Uh, and also Gary Keller. Anytime, you know, yeah. uh, uh, Gary Keller is talking it's like a visionary and all the yeah. words just go right through you. Or John Maxwell, whenever John Maxwell talks, right? right? Every word is gold. Yeah. And that, and yet at the same time, you have to implement it. You right. have to, you know, you could take all the w wisdom in the world, but you have to, you know, uh, the best example, here we are in Bellworks and... I think for the last 10 years, I've always, I said, can I ever hit a golf ball, you know, straight, you know? Yeah. And yet I finally went downstairs to, to uh, spring, swing loose, got a couple of golf lessons, and now at least... How's the shot? 70% of them at least go, <laughs> as opposed <laughs> to just 10% are going straight, you know? So, that's and, and that's what I mean. You know, you learn the strategy, learn, you learn what, what, what it is, and then you have to go out and implement, you know? Yeah. Now, nowadays... You know, the market's changed and everything else like that. What we do right now, our number one focus on my team is how we talk to people. Okay. Our words, our win words, our language, our tonality, how, you know, how to keep a deal together. Someone, you know, like right now, buyers are, are paying exorbitant prices. Uh, the sellers um, want to keep as much of that gold or that newfound bonus right sure. so there's always a tug of war about somebody who feels like they're overpaying and someone who's kind of greedy and wants to keep keep everything yeah and someone has to be the calm one in the room mm -hmm. right in the in the, or in the transaction right. and um you know my personality has never been to be calm you've you gotten know. very calm over the years right well that you learn <laughs> yeah you learn because at the end of the day there's that closing check and right. that's what we have to get to and and the one good thing about the the real estate market uh, has been obviously the prices have gone up, uh, so have the commissions. Mm -hmm. So the thing about it is that now there's a lot at stake uh, for you to be able to keep those deals together. Sure. And so, um, I, asking I think, a lot of questions is is uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, along that because that, that's fantastic because I think that that's a gem in this industry that not everyone gets. It's what you're saying. But, you know, if you've been doing something long enough, you usually have the answer, but it's more, how are you saying it to people? How are you staying calm in the pocket? You know, our roles as quarterbacks in the transaction, your role as the quarterback with it, you got to stay calm in the pocket or you got happy feet, you throw an interception, right? To use another sports analogy. There's actually a, a skill and an art to it. You have to become, I only laugh because I've never d did this before uh -huh. until like five or seven years ago, right? When I finally changed and, and, and you have to be a good listener. Yeah. And then a good counter puncher, meaning that you have to offer the solutions either with a question 
or you know, or suggestion in a calm way, you know, stuff like that. Right. So there's a skill to it, and that's something that actually what we we do a lot on my team. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about how do you keep uh, you know information fresh, yeah. um, I think that that's one of my, my things that we you know we have a weekly team meeting, and you're right, that's the first thing I always think about. I said, you know, how how do I keep some new new fresh material? Right. Uh, because at the end of the day. It's just like a, a baseball game or a sports game, right? Yeah. It's the same, but it's not. It, that's why we still play the game, right? Right? You know, someone's going to win the World Series at the end of the year, right. Yeah, right? But we still watch, right? You know, yeah, no, it's great. It's a great point, right? So the thing is that every real estate transaction, you know, we have to write the contract, we have to hopefully negotiate one day, or we have to get something done, and at the end of the day, uh, we have to get that to the closing table, and that's the, that's always your challenge and stuff like that. Yeah, that that's fantastic. I, I mean, when you look at, I'm going to just backtrack a little bit, John, with the with the book you had mentioned, and you had mentioned ceiling of achievement as well. Or you mentioned a ceiling, right? And when you're starting to make that shift over to do more things for the people that are out there that want to build a team, you do hit that proverbial ceiling of achievement. And that's a real, you're at the, the precipice right there, right? Yeah. Which direction am I going to go? And what do you think, being a high producer and a mega team, mega agent, what do you think it is that pushed you over the edge to just say, I got to go this direction? You had mentioned necessity. <clears throat> Well, it, it was necessity in the beginning, yeah. uh, because you you are uh, that you start receiving so many referrals and you have so much business that you need an assistant or two, sure, or three, right? And then you start delegating, you know, those those tasks. Then um, th- the natural progression is that the goal is for you to just stay in production. Now, somehow, I have always enjoyed, and still to this day still enjoy going out to show homes. I mean, this book says, John, do not show any more homes, just be the CEO of the, of the, of the organization, stuff like that. But I think that is probably the key to my whole success of coaching and mentoring is that I'm on the ground level every day, still out there on listing appointments, still out there showing homes, getting an idea of value, getting an idea of what's selling and everything else like that. So that in my coaching and mentoring to the, to team members, Mm -hmm. that it's not just from the book, right? You know, so many, there's only so much textbook. You have to be out there, uh, you know, showing, got to be the field general, right? So you're more relatable. Right. And well then, yeah, you're, you're even, so your words of wisdom are, uh, or advice or, are of, uh, of a value to them, you know? Sure. Yeah. So what do you th- how, how big do you think you want to grow your team? Well, you know, it's kind of like I, I don't actually actively recruit uh, anymore because most of the team members, they know someone that's talented. So, sure. you know, the team grows naturally. Uh, it's not for everyone, meaning that like every team is actually structured a little bit differently. You've mm-hmm. had other guests on, on, on that are probably uh, structured yeah, yep. differently, right? Um, the business also is changing. For example, uh, now Zillow Flex and even Realtor.com has OpCity. Mm. Uh, they realize that the value of the lead, you know, it, it, I, they know the value of the lead, right? Uh, Zillow used to sell those leads. Right. Now they're kind of changing to, oh, well, we, we'll give you the lead for free, but it's a 35%, you know, no more charge, but it's 35% referral. Mm. And there are some teams, uh, you know, because I am in the Ryan Tarsarian group, so I'm, I know, na- you know, teams that are on a national level at different brokerages and stuff like that. And somehow 
uh, they pay this 35% referral fee, and then they, they find people, I don't know how, to split that remaining 65% with them. So you're doing it for 32.5%. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I guess. I don't yeah. know how you make a living on that, but the sure. thing is when you are very first starting out and you get a real estate license, it sounds great to learn. You could learn the business from actual transactions and stuff like that, I guess. you know, sure. At some point, I don't know what the turnover is, but my team is really more coaching and mentoring. We do have data. We do have leads coming in, mm -hmm. but the thing about it is they're really more strategic using some of the tools that we have at Keller Williams, some of the other things that I've developed over the years. But I'm, you know, I really run a, a very, very, not, not only do I have a very large team, I know for a fact that I run the, probably the most profitable team because mm -hmm. it's not that I'm cheap, but I'm very, very strategic with my spending Sure, because you learn from failure. Many, many years ago, when probably when you knew me, you know, when we first met, you yeah. know, I was probably spending twenty to $30,000 a month on leads, sure. you know, and stuff like that from different things that were uh, either working or were uh, new, new to the market at the time. Uh, and over time, they got cold and things like that. So you always kind of have to search even for mm. new leads. There's no golden goose. Right. You know, there's no golden egg, right? Uh, the only thing that, that's probably golden is referrals. Right. Because those things you never, you know, you just pick up the phone, you serve people, and uh, then they recommend you and stuff yeah. like that. And I think I've learned that over the years. But when you're first starting out, I think the team, if you find a really good team leader or something like that, that that is actually the best place to learn. Because sure. they already, like on my team, you know, uh, team members can volunteer to do open houses and meet more new people. We actually have a young fellow on the, on the team that he's actually done really, really well on uh, within his first six months of, of uh, selling a couple of properties just by hosting open houses. He's always asking me, you know, what open house do we have there this weekend? He's, you know, he's kind of developed into the open house king. That's you know? great. Yeah. So what do you think you bring up uh, money, right, and being wise with the way that you're spending it? Where do you think if someone had $5,000 a month, and it's going to be different for different teams, how would you advise those funds get invested to get a great return on it? Uh, another great question, Greg. Thank you. Uh, so, um, well, I wouldn't be buying any leads. That's for sure. You know, I mean, I, I probably would do a mix of, of, you know, some postcards and some flyers, uh, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Some social media, you, you know, a lot of the stuff you don't really have to spend money on. That's the thing is that you don't have to spend money on, but you have to do a little bit of everything, right? Right. A little bit of everything. Uh, you can't just send out a thousand postcards, sit back and go, Hmm. Nobody responded, you know, stuff like that. Or even with the postcards uh, or anything that you produce, you know, it has to be like kind of glitzy or it has to be, uh, you know, uh, attractive. Sure. Uh, could have a QR code now or it has to have some kind of a call to action, some mm -hmm. kind of a, you know, a reason for someone to be able to respond to that thing. Sure. Right? Uh, as you can see, I'm not blonde or, or you know, <laughs> 28. So the thing about exceptionally it is, well dressed. Yeah, it could be, but the thing <laughs> is that you know, uh, it, it's people not going to respond to a, a right. photo, you know, stuff like that. So right. it, you you have to at the end of the day, doesn't matter what you are, you have to develop uh, deliver value and service to your client. And that's I think that that's probably been the number one thing. That's great, John. So uh, we're just going to go to a quick break. Everyone, hang in there. It's going to be Greg Wareham, John Natale, back in a minute to pick this back up. Excellent. 
Wanted to give a shout out today to The Big Show with your host, Michael Alfieri. This is an exceptional podcast. If you're interested in fitness, bodybuilding, nutrition, sports, Michael's the guy to listen to. I mean, I've known Michael for years. He helped me tremendously with my own routine in the gym. He's a published fitness model, natural bodybuilding champion, professional fitness trainer. He's a veteran of the U.S. Air Force. Thank you, Michael. And no holds barred talk show. Really check it out on Spotify. It's The Big Show, B-I-G-S, with your host, Michael Alfieri. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Again, it's uh, I'm your host, Greg Wareham. We have John Natale here today. Uh, John, we want to go a little bit deeper on the team, the coaching aspect of the team. Uh, you, we had spoken a little bit about bringing some fresh things and you know how you were, hey, words and tonality and all of that. What are some of the other things you do to keep your team in a growth mode? Well, what I learned at Keller Williams, it's all about culture, right? right? And so being a leader you have to act in a certain way and it's not something like uh what's the phrase uh, do what i say uh, don't do what i do or something yeah, like right, that right. but i like to do it and i want and i want to lead by example by my actions and stuff yeah. like that i try as you know as best as i can that's why we bumped into each other at an open house a few weeks ago exactly right, right? and and you you um you know lead by example that way and so uh we work really really hard on the culture uh, for many years uh, at Keller Williams, we are lucky enough to have sales conventions twice a year uh, at the uh, mega camp in, in August and, and the family reunion in February. Mm -hmm. And as an added uh, incentive to team members, I used to treat eight to 10 team members to, for a trip mm -hmm. to, um, to any of those destinations so that they could actually improve their sales skills and feel the energy that Keller Williams has uh, as on a national level. Sure. Uh, yeah, I saw you rented a house once, if I recall. Yeah, we rented California. a house and, yeah. and they would pay for their airfare, but then, you know, right. the, the, the uh, profits from the team would, would help, you know, uh, would pay for, pay for that. And uh, for the most part, I, I know that the team members and the, even the people who have graduated really appreciated it. Uh, and it was rewarding for me. And then, you know, we all had a change, change strategy with coronavirus because all of a sudden, you know, everything's changed. And I think that it's been uh, still to this day very upsetting to a lot of people, uh, whether in, in all facets of our life, how COVID and, uh, has, has changed everything. Some things for the better uh, and other things uh, we've had to really, you know, take a lot of deep breaths and, and, sure. and, and adjust. And one of, like, for example, um, with all the people on the team, we used to have a solid 25 or 30 people every Monday morning, you know, come to an in-person meeting because the great one is, is, um, uh, very influential in person. And right. I, and I can connect with people when I'm, you know, they're there in person and, and, and do fresh material. And when you ever had to raise your voice or lower your voice or anything else like that, or mm -hmm. go around the room. Now we had to adjust. Uh, because first of all, I'm dealing with a lot of young, younger millennial, you know, people that are on my team. Sure. And so as soon as the zoom came, you know, everybody that it's not, it's human nature. It got lazy, sure. you know, and, and said, well, you know, if it's 10 o'clock meeting, I can just roll out of bed at nine 55, you know, wash my face and just jump on the zoom call, you know, right. as opposed to it. So then we got used to the zoom and, um, uh, 
then when protocols uh, relaxed a little bit, only 25% of the people came back into the office, right? <laughs> so still even to this day, right? Uh, 25 people will come on the team meeting every Monday morning, uh, mm -hmm. three or four in person, and everybody else, yeah, everybody else on Zoom, which is okay, you know, but, it, but part of that is that I lost my personal touch. And as a, as a result, you know, some of the team members, you know, felt like, you know, well, you know, then I had to keep, so I have to keep proving my value, sure. you know, to them and, and, and that, that I am a, an influential still person in I, your life. I have a question for you with that. So, and I'm going to use a, a John Maxwell expression and something I saw him say once is, you know, he spends time in what he calls his think chair to kind of solve and work through a problem. Like for you, coronavirus hits, so we're not having enough people in the meeting. What's your process with doing that? Do you take the time? to like, what is your process? Well, uh, again, Greg, you all prepared with some great questions. So w one of the things, again, as I get older in life, um, every day is special. Right. Uh, there was something that one time Gary Keller actually uh, had a guest and it hit me right, right between the eyes where he said, you know, for, for me, there's uh, a lot more yesterdays than there are tomorrows. Right. And so that means make every day count. And so one of the things that's kind of like ingrained in my daily schedule every day, I'm up at 4.30 and at five o'clock for one hour, I'm on my Peloton, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, my Peloton, I have my ESPN or I have my CNBC on, and that's also my time to think about the strategy. What do I have to do today? What am I doing? You know, uh, on my team, we have a, a certain thing of, of, of preparation and plan for success. And one of the things is that, you know, the night before when our head hits the pillow, we have to know what we're doing tomorrow, right? right. We already have to know what we're, what our day is going to be, not, not, you know, have breakfast and uh, I don't know what we're doing today, you know, right. stuff like that. Cause that's, that's never been a plan, you know, plan for success. Right. Um, so the thing about it is just that to get fresh ideas and, and to, uh, you know, how am I going to, what kind of new material or what kind of, uh, what challenges are coming up? Sure. You know, where, when the f first coronavirus first happened, right? We all got shut down. The first thing I said, okay, we learned, a, if the one thing we, if we ever get out of this, if we ever get, get out of this lockdown, just yeah. make sure you always have six months of savings because right. that, that took us all by surprise. Right. And then all of a sudden, as soon as the lockdown, uh, you know, we, we were able, able to go out, we couldn't sell houses fast enough. Right. And then, so now all the money's starting to flow in No, no, don't spend it. Just, Make sure that you remember to build up your 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 savings now, so that you know in, in case of anything ever happens. Because again, look at the business that we're in, right? There's I, no, I guess you. I mean, how many realtors really have disability? You know, one, two. Right. I don't even think about it. And I don't have it, right? Right. But my point is that you know, if if the music stops, if for some reason you know something were were not were to happen to you, uh, got to be prepared. There's no money. There's no <laughs> There's nobody. You know. Right. There's no salary. Right. You know, so that that's kind of one of the risky things, you know, or, you know, there's good and bad things of being a realtor or being a mortgage person and sure. being on your own, you know, stuff like that. You know, you bring up such a good uh, point with the, Nick's going to yell at me for tapping the desk with my pen if everybody heard that. But you bring up a great point with your Peloton, right? I, I think that one thing that people undervalue is the, I don't even know if undervalue is the right word, but or maybe don't think about is that individual time strategizing what you're going to do. You're at five to six o'clock on your Peloton. That's what you're doing. I mean, for myself personally, it's 5.30 in the morning, on the couch, no one's there, and I'm thinking about how I'm gonna play the, the day out. In that individual time that you have to be able to reflect on what you were doing, 
that week, yesterday, whatever the timeline is, and then to be able to proactively plan for what's coming up. One of the huge things that, that make you different, right? And that make mm-hmm. you so successful in what you're doing. And I think if you were to poll people that were as successful as you, I'd say probably all of them do something very, very similar from a routine standpoint and pushing things in the right direction, thinking about the problems. Uh, that's great. I'm not surprised. I'd love to get a glimpse into your world on that Peloton at five o'clock in the morning. That's yeah, great. I, and it, and it, I'm on even on Saturdays and Sundays for yeah. some reason. It's just a habit that that you know started on the weekends. Do some yoga too, so that gives you yeah. an extra hour on the mat to, to to be able to think about what could I have done better and everything else like that. Right? It's not about uh, you know crying about it, you know, a busted deal or anything else like that. You sure. always try to be learning about, you know, how can I do things better and stuff sure. like that, you know. Do you reflect every day? Every day. You take that time? Oh, yeah, every day, you know, because you have to be strategic in your planning. You can, yeah. Otherwise, you know, you get to the midpoint or you get to, you know, you go like, wow, where did all that time go by? And, sure. and, and in sales, a missed sale is a missed sale. That right. <laughs> never comes back, yeah. you know. You don't really ever get a chance to, to, to uh to do that, right. you know, well, goals never take a day off. The market never takes a day off. Nobody yeah. does. And not that you work 24 seven, but you have to take that time to think about it every day. Right. Right. It's great. You know, one of the things I always thought we were talking about this, uh, before, before this podcast today, John is you're always doing something new. Always. I drove by coming into my office one day. There's John Natalie's filming a video at one of the houses in the area. We pulled over and we uh, chatted for a little bit. But you always got something new going on. I, what, what do you see on the horizon? Well, I, again, one of the things that I try to stay current with, you know, on social media mm-hmm. is I am spending time on, you know, TikTok and, and Instagram. I follow, you know, I'm in touch with Ryan Serhan, so he's pretty, you know, he's pretty up on social media. His uh, team is is gives always gives a lot of tips on what's newing, what's to do, and stuff like that. Uh, you subscribe to some of the different services that are also interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you follow a few people like the Broke Agent, uh, Coffee Contracts, and stuff like that. So you're always taking in information and then deciding, you know, how to implement. But of course, you have to surround yourself. With still with talented people, so sure. I, I do have someone on on the team that's uh, you know so my I'll show some media director and stuff like that, and he does phenomenal work and stuff like that. And you have to come up with different ideas, but you have to just be real. Like if if you if you're from the area, I've been here like for 38 years. I originally grew up in Brooklyn and then moved to Homedale. 1983, so a long time ago. I had hair right. back then. But the thing is... Uh, <laughs> was it long? Did you have long hair? Curly, curly. you know. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing about it is just that, uh, you know, you want to uh, be a real person in your videos so that if someone from Staten Island or Brooklyn is looking at it, they know a little bit about what Homedale is all about, what Middletown is all about. And again, hopefully somebody sees the video and picks it up and, and gives you a call, you know, yeah. stuff like that. You know, they definitely work. Uh, I know... Uh, you know, six months ago I was in Maui and the first thing I did was went on TikTok and some realtor had like the top three places to have breakfast and it worked and I actually called him and I tried recruiting him, but he didn't, <laughs> didn't, didn't come. But, but again, right. it's a, it's a valuable source of how we, you know, get, you know, information. Right. So I, I'm going to shift gears. It's great, John. I'm going to shift gears a little bit to the market. And, you know, you've been doing this for quite some time at a very high level of success and where we think it's going to be going. But I want to talk to a couple of things. So obviously, the state of the market is a huge topic. And I read a report this morning from the 
uh, Fannie Mae chief economist that stated the market has turned. That was literally his quote with Fannie Mae. And he made that comment based on stabilizing home values because home values have been going up, inventories down, high interest rates. That's creating a slight turn in the marketplace. Uh, when you look at the data on it, single family sales in April of 2022 were down 16.6%, which is the lowest level since April of 2020, yeah, right when coronavirus hit. And prior to that, it was in 2018 when the Fed was going through that same process of you know, quantitative tightening, right, and trying to, to pull back on the easy access to money. So where do you see the market going? I mean, you did 70 million in business last year. Team does 175. I mean, what do you see out there? So a lot of it has to do with life experience and the business experience. Mm -hmm. Some of it's as simple to understand. And I'll go back to my number one word, affordability. Right. Right. Uh, I've literally watched in the last two or three years um, the levitation of prices. Um, someone like myself who's not only traded stocks for all of his career, uh, all of my life, uh, and, and equities and, and uh, assets and things like that. Uh, the, and real estate normally moves, uh, you know, or grows 2% or 3% slowly over the course of the year. Sure. Um, one of the things that um, concerns me uh, is that there's not many people like myself who actually have been in the business for 15 or 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, so no one's really lived through 2005 through 2007 mm -hmm. or nine, you know, back then when we had a closing, uh, the clear to close didn't come to like 10 minutes before, <laughs> 10 minutes, you know, if the closing was at 12, the clear to close came at 1145. Oh, rough and, back <laughs> and not only that, you didn't even know if your client was going to show up because right. the Dow was, you know, yeah, I know that the market's moving you know, the stock market's moving rapidly now, but right. back then it was moving a lot, same same amount of points, but a lot lower, right. a lot lower. Uh, so you didn't even know if your client was going to show up, you know, right. uh, if he looked at his, his CNBC. But my point is that uh, affordability, uh, people can only afford so much in a payment, right. you know, and now they're getting uh, whacked on both sides. The, the, the mortgage payment went up, right. uh, the mortgage rate went up, and now so the, house, the monthly payment went up, and the house is still going up. You know, I understand that there's still this, you know, we're in this still this spiral of having to buy, you know, like the demand is still outstripping the supply. Sure. And it's all only become even worse now because now the landlords are raising the rents, not 3% or 5% or not even raising the 8%. They're raising it 10, 20%. Right. Right. And so <laughs> you're forcing more people that, back into the market because they're going like, well, you know, I, uh, you know, for the same $3,000, I might as well just buy a house. Right. And so, you know, uh, I, I think that most of the people have been buying based on their mortgage payment affordability rather than doing the homework about what they, what they bought. Uh, I hope it doesn't happen mm -hmm. that three to five years from now, you know, you have a repeat of what, what happened back in 2007, mm -hmm. you know, where, now people realize that, uh, you know, what goes up will go down mm -hmm. or can go down, Sure, you know, so it concerns me. But at the same time, I, um, you know, as a real estate agent, as a broker, you, you know, you're just in the transaction. Um, 
I really haven't been involved in too many, you know, wild, I mean, I've been out with many, many buyers who've missed, you know, missed numerous prop properties. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, started out saying, uh, you know, I, I'm in the 800 to 850 range. Well, that house now is 950 to, you know, and they've consciously made a decision not to buy, okay. you know, to just to stay where they, you know, where they are. Um, and so that's why the number of sales also is lower. My, you know, from 2022, myself personally, it, it's been lower, you know, uh, only because of the clients that I work with, they're not cheap. They can afford it, but they also know, you know, the value of, <laughs> of what they're, what they're paying and sure. stuff like that. So, um, it's been a bit of a challenge. Obviously all of my listing clients are very happy with me, right? right. <laughs> they're all getting, but even that's been a challenge. Mm-hmm. Because you also, you know, it sounds great to get 18 offers and you don't, many times now, I would say for 2022, uh, 80% of the time, I actually, the, the client makes the decision, but we also go over the probability of who's going to close. And mm-hmm. many times they'll take five or 10% less than the highest offer. Feeling like they have a certain. Because rate. that person is 99.99% sure of, of closing right. as opposed to that person that just made a wild, mm-hmm. a number that, that just, I mean, it sounds great for a minute, but you know, five days later, either he's changing his mind or two weeks later, he's changing right. his mind in the inspections and stuff like that because he realized what the heck did I do? Right. And you know, so a lot of, a lot of chippy stuff has happened too. Mm. Uh, what I mean by that is that uh, buyers are using multiple agents on multiple properties in multiple areas. Yeah, I've seen and that. And actually yeah. playing the playing uh, the the game of the transaction because you know a deal is not really finalized until <laughs> the day of the closing, right? right? I mean, uh, and technically, you know. Yeah. <laughs> what, what have you seen from a listing standpoint? Statistically, I know listings are going up. Like more houses are hitting the market. Are you seeing that? Well. Uh, I'm still seeing the demand is still there. So, I mean, it, I don't, still I, I still don't see the, you know, if anything is sitting there, it's because some owner and some young agent took a, took a listing at a, at, at a ridiculous price, you know, right. for example, you know, uh, the typical Marlboro colonial now, a nice one is selling nine, nine fifty. You know, if, it, if it, one gets listed at 1.1 million, doesn't mean that it's going to sell, you know, right. Or, or automatically some of them are starting to sit there a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. but, I think we're in a little bit of a unique bubble too, just being part of the greater New York City metropolitan area. We're not as volatile as some other parts of the country. We're always going to have our demand here. I I, th- I personally think that we're going to start to really see a surge of first-time homebuyers coming back into the market that we're essentially, I wouldn't say priced out as much as termed out, mm. right? They just didn't have the down payment that some of the step-up buyers had. So I think we'll see more of that coming down the pike going into the next couple of years. And it wouldn't surprise me to see the market shift a little bit, John, where FHA becomes a more popular product, especially. There's another factor. Uh, how about people that uh, that need the equity of their home to buy, to buy something else? They've go. been completely frozen. Yeah. Or they've had to really be, be creative or roll the dice. Now, again, if you do have the extra funds to be able to hold two houses at the same time, mm-hmm. um, you know, then you'll be able, because you do know you're going to sell quickly, right. you know, so that that but you had to roll the dice and take that that yeah. take that risk, you know. You know, and an important feature with that from a mortgage standpoint is the ability to recast the mortgage. 
right? So if someone's buying a house, putting down 5% on the new house they're buying, they're carrying the old property, and their intent is, once I sell that, I want to throw 400000 towards my mortgage, making sure with their lender that they're going to have the ability to recast that new purchase and recalculate the payment at that lower dollar amount. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. that's So a, it's usually like a fee, 150 to $250, and they just take that lower balance and recalculate it over what's well, going to be 29 and a half years left on right, it, let's right, say. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's so important. That, yeah, that's important. Uh, question for you. What's your plan for the next 18 months? Uh, my plan for the next 18 months? Well, it's actually interesting. So... Um, you know, I, when you're in sales, you're still always very, very hungry. You're always still, you know, ready, ready for whatever the market's going to, uh, to bring to you, you know, uh, the, hopefully the team still continues to grow. I still enjoy going out to show houses and, and, and take and find buyers and, and, and work with clients. I mean, a lot of my business now is referral you know, where I'll pick up the phone and, you know, somebody I sold a house to is ready to either upsize or downsize or, you know, you help my friend and, you know, we need you to, you know, to do that. And when people still trust me with their, you know, I take it with their fate, I take it as a serious responsibility. So I know that I can still be that important person. I just don't delegate it to anyone, you know. Right. Uh, I do pick and choose the price range and the clients that I, that I do, because as I'm getting older now, I have, I do have personal things. Like for example, uh, uh, in October, I'm going to Italy for two weeks, right? To go see. Have you been before? I've never been to Uh, my father's from, from Naples. Okay. And all of his family is there waiting for me to come, you know, and I was supposed to go two years ago in, you know, with, with the COVID. And then last year, the Delta virus piked up this year. I'm going no matter what happened. I don't care. Monkey pox. I don't care what's happening, right? So the thing is, they're all waiting for me there. So that's on a personal basis. And yeah. listen, as uh, you know, I don't know. You know, it, it's just a matter of like, as long as that's the reason why I do an hour a day on Peloton. God gave yeah. me ability to, you know, have the good health and stuff like that. So you just keep going until you know until you feel that one day you you'll wake up. It's just like you know when you have the big house, you wake up one day and you go. I don't need this anymore. You know, I'm ready to downsize. And that was like six years ago, right? right? So the thing is just that, you know, you just keep going until you you don't like it anymore. But I still, you know, I still enjoy the thrill. I still enjoy the strategy. I still enjoy, you know, being able to wake up and, and you know, you just keep going. That's it, you know, right. and, and the challenge of it. I don't have to be like, you know, I, I have I have changed. I mean, like, I don't post as many sales on, on social media anymore. I mean, I don't I don't need that notoriety, right? right. Uh, the only notoriety I need is I, I bank at Chase Bank. And <laughs> although although we don't do any more in-person, but occasionally whenever I do, hello, Mr. Natale, you know. Right. And, and so that's the only res- recognition I really need is from uh is from from the people at Chase, you know, yeah. to say, all right, you're back and uh, you're <laughs> one of fantastic. our you're one of our valued clients, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Yeah. But you know, other than that, uh, I have eight grandchildren. Right. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. No, so that's that's really the source of your joy. You get to relive uh, you know, your little mini children there, you yeah. know, the little mini versions of your children, but you get to give them back at six o'clock, right. you know? So that's the best part <laughs> of being a grandparent, right? Is that, you know, you don't have to, you get all the good part and, and anytime the bad stuff, you know, they start in the fight or go to your mother, right. you know, go to your father, you know, let that's your all I take keep care hearing. of it. You know, Rachel and I talk about it because, you know, we have four kids, like one day they're going to be grandkids. And all I ever hear is exactly what you just said. It's the best because you get all the upside. Yeah, you get all the upside, no downside, you know, except, you know, and, and it's all, you know, it's all good, you know, stuff like that. So, 
that's the good part. You know, you d- I definitely don't want to be, uh, you know, working 80 hours a week, you know, because all the good stuff is happening, you know, sure. and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, on my team, we do a lot of, uh, you know, everybody has this mantra of balance, right? But we truly do have to, what we call A time, B time, and C time. A mm-hmm. time is when you're actually with a client and you actually have time to, you know, you have a chance to make money. You're sitting in an open house, taking a buyer out, or you're on a listing appointment. The B time is all your setup time, right? Mm-hmm. When you're, your inspections, your appraisals, your uh, flyers, your call, you know, your lead generation calling or keeping a deal together or anything else like that. But that's the important part that you have to delegate because, mm-hmm. you know, again, I, I, you know, I have a team and I have a staff that, you know, because my goal always is to stay in production as best as possible. Either I'm in production or I'm on the Peloton or yoga or with my grandchildren, right? I'm doing something fun. Right. Uh, I'm not getting, you know, swinging down to Times River to go pick up a sign or put out a lockbox or anything else like that. You have to leverage yourself. You leverage yourself in your time. And C time is the most important time. Is that your personal time? That's the time where you sleep, your time you do all your things that you enjoy, whether it's golf, it's something with your children, yoga, you know, something that you enjoy, mm-hmm. playing a guitar, going to, you know, and stuff like that. And that's when you truly are purposeful with your time, that that's when you have a very rewarding life. And, yeah. and, then, and then when hit hits the pillow, you go, you know, I did everything I could, you know, today to have an enjoyable day. And God, hopefully I wake up tomorrow morning, <laughs> right? And that's awesome, and that's, that's it. And, that, that, and you really only learn that. <laughs> it's like life at, when yeah. you get to and when you get older. You know, and, and when you get young, you know, yeah, I got 30 years to make up a mistake. You know, I got 30 years to think about that and stuff like that. And I get it. I completely get it. That's why I think I'm as good as I am, uh, not only with clients, but also with my team members, because mm-hmm. I, I get them. I, I know where they're coming from, and I don't get upset if they don't do exactly, you know, walk this way or anything else like that. Uh, everyone has to do, you know, has to have their own spin. Not everybody mm-hmm. can th- throw a ball exactly the same way or mm-hmm. bat the same exact way, right? Sure. Uh, but the but the basics are all is still the same, yeah. right? Well, you you got to find your own swing. Right. You have to treat people the yeah. same. You know, the, like you want to be treated. You have to serve, and that's what we teach. Is actually, if there's one thing that I really want my team, me myself, and my team to be known for, is the quality of the transaction, not so much the quantity. Mm-hmm. The quantity will come when you serve so many people really, really well, and mm-hmm. they always kind of will recommend you. But if you really, uh, you know, are, concentrate on a quality transaction, I think that, again, that's one of probably my biggest attributes, right, is the ability to be able to somehow, I, I, and again, I, I just know, I know I got this from my father and his organizational skills, right, mm-hmm. where I can have 20 or 25 active listings, I can have, 20 to 30 transactions are pending, right? And, and, and be able to manage personally. That's just my personal thing, right? Yeah. Uh, then we have a team that, that, you know, that everybody, you know, we have a, a team coordinator that manages all the team transactions. But on a personal basis, be able to manage all of those people and every single one of them will feel that they got personal attention. Right. Not that they got a voicemail or that I got back to them 12 hours later because I had too much to do. I don't, that's just a special that's skill set. That's the magic. Set. Yeah, yeah, that's a special skill magic. set that you, that everybody has, and I'm not being boastful about it. It's just, I know I have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's why also, you know, pos- good positive energy gets drawn to you. And then that's why so many people and team members have, have trusted me with their real mm-hmm. estate career and, and learning. And, you know, I'm proud of all the people that graduated. I mean, there's a lot of people, you know, and stuff like yeah. that. And that was the goal. 
that was the goal when you, you know, bring it back to the beginning of why did you form a team? It's not just, you know, I just wanted to line my pockets with, with their thing. I've also actually always been the highest paying, um, you know, on my team, all the people, they, they keep the most amount of their money. Mm -hmm. You know, most, you know, the typical team is 50, 50 right. or something like that. On my team, it's a lot, a lot more than that yeah. because they're doing most of the work. I'm doing just coaching and mentoring and stuff like that. But at the same time, uh, they, uh, you know, they've stuck around. They've stayed with it because of uh, the value of the team. I just wanted to be, like I said, uh, a positive influence on their life. You know, it's amazing how you can actually get more. You get more satisfaction from building and working with others and seeing what they're able to accomplish versus just doing it on your own. I say, you say to my team all the time, it's no fun if you're just the one making all the money. It's just not right. We want everybody making money. Right. That's where it's really fun. That's where the magic is. And I got that from like Ben Kenny. You know, yep. he goes like, you know, my goal is to build, you know, millionaires on my team. I want, I want to see people build, uh, you know, be millionaires. And even to this day, it's pretty funny. Like I coached 20 years in Homedale, right? Yep. And so where I had all these teenage, not teenage, 10s, 12s, 12 year olds. And now they're, you know, now they're actually buying houses for me and everything else like yeah. that. Or even my son is selling, you know, selling houses to them and stuff like that. But they all still to this day, they all still call me coach Natalie, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, when, when you have a chance to be that positive person so that their, your, their memory of you is a, is a positive one and it's all worth it. You know, there, I, I'm just going to backtrack on one thing. I'm going to ask you one more question. So when you look at a time, B time and C time, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about, Hey, we're thinking about the industry every day and we're taking time to do that. That doesn't mean that we're working 24 seven to your point. You know, it's classifying things into how you put it, John, A time, B time and C time and make sure, although you may be thinking about work every day, make sure you're taking that time to recharge your batteries and do the things that are really important in life. Uh, last question for you, John. All right, give everybody a nugget. And I'm gonna pose another book that you don't have with you today is, what's the one thing that you would give to people that would be the most important thing they need to do? Uh, in real estate? In real estate, yes, in real thank estate. you. Um, listen, listen to your client and then um, plan of action, you know, in your head, you know, uh, you know, listen to the, you know, get down and listen to their needs uh, and then implement, you know, the plan of action so that, um, they refer you over and over and over again. You know, it's not, it's yep. not about you, you know, and it's not about you. Uh, you know, it's not about the transaction or being transactional or anything else like that. It's about the quality of your service to them and, and really, uh, realizing, I know it's one word that I went way too much, but it, it, I think what's been lost is how you, your actions and how you serve them really will affect their life, their, their path on their life. What you do, mm -hmm. it's that offer that you, you know, you didn't put in or, or something happened or some deal busted. And instead of them going to Florida, now they're still stuck in their house in Howell or, mm -hmm. or something like that. I mean, it's, you know, it, or that, you know, that they, 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 I've been working with some people, they've, they've been wanting to move for, for a while. It's not because of my point, it's because of the sure. market, but we are actually able to, you know, affect people's lives in, in a positive, sometimes in an even a negative way, not so much maybe because of what we kind of screwed up, 
but maybe you didn't pay attention to the details and something busted mm. that could have been saved and maybe you weren't paying attention. So if I could uh, paraphrase for that, I'm going to list two things. Listen and care. Right. Listen and care, you're going to nail it. Uh, John, if someone wanted to reach out to you, what would be the best way to contact you? Uh, my cell phone number is 732-757-7251. Anyone can text me or call at any time. My email is john.natali at kw.com. Fantastic, John. John, thank you so much for being here today. It was Greg, great. I had a ball and uh, it was as good as expected. <laughs> Thanks, John. And thank you everybody out there for listening today. We look forward to catching up with you next week. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process, hosted by Greg Wareham, produced by Greg Wareham and Nick Pavise at The Social Rift, and executively produced by The Social Rift. Thank you again for tuning in, and we look forward to catching up with you next week.